Welcome, welcome, welcome to Jesus Strong Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us once again. As usual, it is my pleasure to serve you each week and to uh, bring you these beautiful messages that the Lord has entrusted me to bring to you. And I trust that you are being blessed. Your soul is being fed. You are being encouraged. You're being lifted up. And so wherever you're joining us from this morning, we want to say happy new year. We're standing in 2022. We made it. We made it. Glory to God. Glory to God. So Praise the Lord this morning that you will live to see 2022 because God has great things in store for those that are living in this time. It's going to be a lot of trials. It's going to be a lot of tribulations, but it's going to be a year. I told you um, in our last meeting on and in, in, in 2021, that is going to be the year of the keys. 2022 is going to be the year of the keys. It's going to be op- the year of the open door. It's going to be a year of divine alignment. It's going to be a year of jubilee. It's going to be a year of prophetic fulfillment. It's going to be a great year. But what you got to understand is that when you're about to give birth to something new, it's always that there's going to be some pains that come along with it. But I, I don't want you to fear the pain because you got to understand that the pain is what helps you to give birth. Amen. So 2022, bring it on, Lord. Whatever you're birthing in this season, Lord God, we are ready for it, Lord God. For we've been travailing. We've been, we've been pregnant with what it is that you have placed on the inside of us, Lord God. And so, God, we feel like we're in the delivery room right now. We're ready to give birth to the thing that you have locked up on the inside of us, God. For you, you stored it on the inside of us for such a time as this, Lord God. We came through many trials, Lord, carrying the thing that you have placed on the inside of us, Lord God. God, it wasn't easy, Lord God, to make it this far, Lord, because we had to face many oppositions. We had to face many demons and devils that was trying to take our lives and trying to snuff out our purpose, Lord God. But God, you kept us anyway, Lord. You preserved us, Lord God. And so, God, we are so grateful this morning because we are standing in the first Sunday of 2022, and we just prophetically declare over 2022 that it will be our greatest year ever in the name of Jesus. Whatever thing that we have accomplished or achieved on on, on behind us, Lord God, it's not going to be compared with what you're about to do in 2022 in the name of Jesus. I prophesy divine upliftment, Lord, divine lifting divine shifting, divine increase, divine favor, divine strength, divine courage, divine tenacity, divine actions in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let it be so, Lord. Let it be so, Lord God, that 2022 will be a year like no other, Lord God. Father, when we look around us, we see doom and we see gloom, but God, they that be of you, Lord God, is not going to see gloom. Lord God, we're not going to worry about what's falling on our right and what's falling on our left or what's falling behind us or before us, Lord God, for we trust in the name of the Lord, our God. And so God, as we march forward into 2022, not knowing what to expect, Lord God, we thank you, Lord God, that we can hold your hands, Lord God. 
We can hold your hands, Lord God, and we can march through every troop that the enemy send us, everything that is arrayed against us, Lord God. And we thank you this morning, Holy Father, that you have given us the privilege, Lord God, and the strength to go through the trials and to come out as pure gold. Thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. If you haven't done so already, go ahead and share this message. Share this message. Amen. Share this message because everybody could use a little encouragement right now. Everybody needs to know how to stand. Everybody needs to know how to approach this new year. And so as we look forward to this new year and the future that we face, we don't know what's next, but we know the one who holds the future. We know the one who holds the universe in his hands. And so as we face this next year, let us hold on to the unchanging hand of God. And, you know, um, there's a little old song that says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all my fears are gone. Because I know how I know he owes my future. My life is worth a living just because he lives. And I just want to say to somebody this morning that your life is worth a living just because he lives. Because Christ lives, you can face the future without fear. You can face the future without anxiety. You can face the future without worry. Because what, when you, what you see right now is causing you to worry about the future. But God says, no more worrying. Hold on to my hands. I am the one who holds the future. And if you are holding on to my hands, you are in good hands. Oh, oh glory to God. You are in good hands hands. Woo, Jesus, Jesus. That's for somebody this morning. You're in good hands. The hand, oh, No, no, no. It's not all state that you're in good hands. You're in good hands with the Lord. You are in good hands. Oh, glory to God. You are in his hands because the word says in his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. In his hands, he's got the little bit of baby. In his hands, come on, somebody. Y'all want me to sing this morning. I can feel y'all telling me to sing. Y'all know I can't sing, but I sing and make a joyful noise unto the Lord because He, I am in his hands. He is holding me. He is keeping me. He is preserving me on the right and the left. Wherever the enemy tries to come in, I am surrounded. Come on, somebody. You are surrounded going into this new year. You're packing heavy. The enemy can't take you out. Your trust is firmly rooted and grounded in Christ. So come on, let's just love on Jesus this morning. Let us give him the highest praise. Let us worship him going. Let's, let's worship our way through 2022. Let's worship our way through trials.
trials, through temptation, through tribulation. Let's just worship our way. Let's just give him the highest praise in 2022, knowing that if he brought you through 2021, he is going to take you through 2022. So no need to look at 2022 and fear. All you got to do is trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean to your own understanding and just maybe look back on 2021 and say, God, you brought me through all that in 2021. Yes. And if he did it, then he's going to do it now. Amen. Amen. Let's go to our, our text for this morning. Because let's go to our text because I believe that God has a good word for somebody. Somebody needs to hear this word. Judges chapter 2, verse 10 through 13. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and images of Asherah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Shakara Sande de Debo Shataya Rabasa. Oh, Rabashataya Vasikendo Rosaya. Lord, take your word this morning. Break open the truths that are within your word. And that as we speak and declare your word, Lord God, nothing will go for it except what you want your people to hear this morning. In Jesus' name. So last week, I spoke to you about a message called the Glory Train. And this week, I'm going to talk to you about a message called the next, next gen or next generation, short for next generation, because our children are in danger of missing the glory train. You see, it's not important for just us to get on this glory train, but it's important for the generation coming up behind us to be able to get on this train as well. You know, it's like when you're taking a family trip, you don't just jump on a train without making sure that your children are on board there to in order to get to the destination. You don't want to get to the neck to your destination and realize that your children are not with you. So there's this generation coming up behind us called the millennials. And God knows, God wants us to know that he doesn't want them to be left behind, even though right now when we look at the millennials, we can say that um, they don't know God. Most of them don't know God, but God knows them and God wants them to be saved. God doesn't want them to be left behind. So he's calling us, this generation, to focus on the next generation. Because, it, you know, God, I, I, the way God put this message to me is like, what are we doing to ensure that the next generation gets on this glory train? What are we doing to ensure that this next generation knows their God? You see, they will come up behind us believing anything is God if we don't tell them. They will eventually, they, some of them will come up believing that, they, that, that a tree is God. They will come up believing that a cow is God. They will come up believing that a statue is God. They will come up believing into all kinds of new age religion if we don't take time to teach our children. 
And so um, there is something taking place in our society right now called what, what analysts call a generational shift. And the generational shift is that the largest wealth transfer in all of history is taking place right now. And what it is really is that um, the, in, the, 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 there's, the generations are broken up into, into different categories. And so one generation is passing on their legacy to their next generation, to their, their, their children. And so it's the largest transfer of wealth coming from one generation to another. And so while, if, while it is important to pass on an inheritance to your children, I fear that the most important inheritance of all is being discarded because we are not, we are not taking time to transfer the spiritual uh, inheritance. We're not taking time to, to teach our children the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, but yet we're leaving them with large sums of inheritance that is not helping them because they have no wisdom. They have no fear of God. And so one of the reasons the Lord showed me is that it's the quest of this generation X and the generation boomer, uh, uh, baby boomers. We have left, we have been on a quest to find our destiny. We have been on a quest to find purpose, to find career. And in so doing, we have left our children behind. We didn't slow down to keep pace with our children. And if we don't slow down to keep pace with our children, we are going to lose them. We're going to get on this glory train and our children will not be on this glory train with us. And it is a tragedy. And the Lord wants to adjust that going into this new year because he said this new year is the focus should be on winning the next generation. And so let me just kind of tell you about these because I had to look these up for you and I wish I could show you, but I have a beautiful little chart here that summarizes the generations for us. And so from 1901 to, to 1924, they called that generation the greatest generation. Don't ask me why. I'm just splitting up the generations for you because we're going to talk about this a little bit more. Then 1925. To 1945, they called that generation the silent generation. Listen, I don't think nothing was silent about that generation, but I didn't name them. Uh, that generation, they had to live through World War II. They had to uh, fight through all kinds of depression and, and emerge victorious. 1946 through 64, they, they, this is the generation that is called the baby boomers. and don't ask me again why they call these generation baby boomers. Uh, I think uh, in my limited understanding, I think that because there was a lot of babies born in that time. Then 1965 through 1980, we have Generation X. Okay, that's, that's me, Generation X. 1981 through 2000, we have the Millennials. And then, uh, Gen, I'm sorry, 2001 to 2020, you have Gen Z. Listen, they reached, they don't reach Z. I'm thinking they're going to have to start over the alphabet. So I just share that 
to kind of give us a platform to what, what we're discussing. So as you hear Gen Z, millennials, Gen X, boomers, silent generation and greatest generation, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So currently these are, these are the, uh, let me see, one, two, three, four, six generations that are living among us. And that's the way society kind of break it up for us. There is nothing uh, specific about them uh, as to why society break them up the way that they do. I just think that, you know, in order to kind of represent the, the, the group of people, the a different age group of people that are living in this society, um, society came up with that. Right. So um, as we're facing um, the, uh, trying to figure out what we're passing on to the next generation, you know, we have got to figure out how to train up the next generation in the way that they should grow so that they would not leave. So we're leaving large financial legacies behind, but there is no godly inheritance that are leaving behind. The way I look at it is I don't see the fear of the Lord. I don't see the, the, the anointing being passed down. There was a time when young people were the bane of church. The young people were the people that the fire of God would fall upon. And, and, and I think that one of the reasons is because we're not allowing our children to come to the Lord. Remember the Lord says, suffer the little children to come unto me for they are the kingdom of heaven. And what is taking place now is that they're, they're going to soccer practice, recitals and video games and entertainment have become more important than Bible study, more important than teaching our children how to pray, teaching our children how to encounter God. And, and, and so our children are being left behind. And sometimes I really think that parents believe that their kids uh, can learn by osmosis because they never taught them, but they expect them to learn. How are your children going to learn if you don't sit down with your children and teach them the word of the Lord? Remember, the Lord said to the, to the children of Israel, he said, teach these things to your children. He said, write them upon, uh, uh, upon your, your, your palm of your hands. He said, write them upon your doorpost when you go and when you come, when you walk by the wayside, talk to your children, teach them these things, because the Lord knows that there was going to come a time when there, when a generational shift was, would take place and our children would be left behind if we don't teach them the right things. And we're living in a day and an age when we cannot afford to not teach our children the right things. So while the wealth is being transferred, let's transfer some anointing. Let's transfer some godliness. Let's transfer some fear of the Lord. Mm. You see, this, this, as I told you, they said that this is the largest distribution of wealth in all of human history. And it's going to which generation? It's going to the generation, generation X. They stand to inherit, um, this is just data that I pulled from Google, um, generation X is stand to inherit 57% of the 64.4, I'm sorry, 68.4 trillion dollars. Millions, I'm sorry, millennials will collect the rest. And then researchers say that the older generation will hand down over $70 trillion between 2018 and 2042. That is the largest, I mean, there's never been such a, a, a piggy bank before. And they said roughly $60 trillion, $61 trillion will go to hairs, mostly Generation X and Generation Millennials. 
And with the balance being, uh, and the rest of that going to, you know, good cause, they leave some for good cause. Praise the Lord. The work of the Lord must go on. <laughs> then the transfer is displayed. You know, this transfer is displaying the power of the baby boomers because they came of age in a wave of post-World War prosperity. And these um, baby boomers, they were children of the silent generation that was born between 1925 and 1945. They lived through the Great Depression. Their parents taught them to save. They taught them the meaning of hard work. And they taught them that because of the things that they endured. So, you know, when you think about what's happening in Judges chapter two, the, the, the parents, the people that were before these, this generation that we're talking about in Judges chapter two that didn't know the Lord, those people, they knew the Lord. They, they, some of them had came through uh, 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 the, the wilderness. Some of them had, had uh, came across Jordan and they had to fight out the Amorites and the Jebusites and the Gergeshites and all the out of the land. They had to fight. They had to literally war to live in the land. But there's a generation that came up behind them and they were enjoying the good fortunes of Israel, but they didn't realize how much their foreparents had to fight to give them what they now take for granted. And I feel like this is what is happening to our generation. We are leaving behind great fortunes for our, our generation, but they don't have no idea how many days you had to get up sick and still go to work. They don't have and have no idea of how, how many times you came close to losing your job because there are so many things that you are facing on the job. They don't understand how many setbacks and how many failures you had to fight through in order to leave them this inheritance. And so I feel like we do our children an injustice when we just leave an inheritance for them. And I, oh, glory to God, glory to God. God wants somebody to teach their children, train them up in the way that they should grow. It's not the it's not the society, it's not the school, it's not the churches that are responsible to teach your children hard work and determination and perseverance. It is you. And going into this new year, you got to turn over a new lease because what we've been doing with our children is not enough. And God said, my eyes are on the children. And so you might be doing everything right, but you're not you're not training up your children in the way that they should grow. And what's happening right now is going to affect them the most. It's going to affect them. So we can't afford to keep do making the same mistake. And God said, we got to turn it over because what we're doing is we're handicapping our children because we're leaving them without skills to survive. You know, we're leaving, we're, we're creating dependence. They're forever depending on someone else's hard work to, to help them survive in life. We should teach our children survival strategies, teach them how to save, teach them how to work hard, teach them how to be determined to reach their goal. Teach them to set goals and to work towards them. And so I find it ironic that the baby boomers learn from their parents how to save and how to work hard. But the millennials and the generational X, the generation X, they learn to spend, but they never learn to earn. Oh, God, help us, Jesus. Oh, Shakara Sandayabasa. You see, children live what they learn. And what we're what what the question to you this morning is what are you teaching your children? What are you ch teaching your children? And see, it, it falls back on us because we're not teaching them the right things. Remember when Eli was in the temple 
Samuel got a message for Eli and he said, God is going to judge your household because you, your, your sons were doing wrong and you never corrected them. You see, you can pray all you want, but if you don't take time to correct your children that God has given you, the judgment is not only going to fall on your children, it's going to fall on you. I wish I could have said that the judgment is going to fall on the parents, but it's going to fall on the children and on the parents. Look what happened to Eli's son. They both died in war. And then the same day, Eli fell over backwards and died. Judgment came. Because why? Because Eli failed to correct his house. And so let's go to, let's try to figure out what are we supposed to do? How are we? We got to get this right, people. We got to get this right going into 2022. We got to get it right. We got to get it right. So in Judges chapter two, the generation that arise after Joshua and Caleb, they didn't see the miracles that God performed. They only heard about it. So they turned away from following the ways of the Lord. They, 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 they turned away to worship idols and they didn't know exactly what happened when, when people turn away from God. They, they had never seen the wrath of God, but they were about to face it. So, so, so they had turned away from God. And so if you kind of look around in our society today, that's the same thing that is happening. Our children are turning away to, from, to, uh, they're going after other idols. They're going after entertainment. They're going after money. They're going after sex and drugs and guns and new age religion. Oh God almighty, there's so many things that they are taking to stuff that place where only God should be in their heart. They're trying to find the next thing that makes them, that, 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 that give them a high and they're not looking for the highs of God. They're not looking for the anointing of God to give them the thing that they are missing. And so they're doing exactly what the generation of Israelites did as they turn away from God to go after idols. And we need to fix this generational gap before it's too late. Notice that Joshua and Caleb, that generation, this, this took place after they were dead. They were dead and gone when this generation rose up after them that didn't follow the ways of the Lord. And, and, and I want to submit to you today that we are still alive. We are the generation X. There are some generation uh, boomers. There are some, some silent generation. There, there, there's a, we, we are still here to be able to fix the problem, to help them fix the problem through the grace and the power of the Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We should not be a we shouldn't be afraid to discipline our children. We shouldn't be afraid to talk to our children about the things of God. Listen, if you're not do, if you're not talking to your children about the things of God, you are sinning. You are doing a wrong thing in the eyes of God because God commanded us to teach, to train up the children in the way that they should grow so that when they are old, they would not depart from it. God commanded us to write these commandments that he is giving us. He said, write them upon your doorposts, put them, bind them as frontlets upon your head so that we talk about them when you walk and when you go and when you come. So God is, it's a command. It's a thing that is on the heart of God. God said, I don't want to leave the children behind. I don't want to leave the children behind. So let's try to fix this. Let's try to fix this. The first thing that we have to do as we try to figure out what to do to fix this generational shift, to make sure that it's shifting right. 
we got to learn how to, we got to figure out a comfortable pace. You see, with the invention of technology and the fast pace of modern life, we have unknowingly left them to figure things out for themselves. And when you think of generational shift, think of the gears in a car. When you are driving a car, in order to run that car smoothly, it's important to shift the gears at the right time. It's called timing. So, so, so I feel like God is saying, even prophetically, I'm going to insert this right now. The timing to shift the generation is now. This is 2022 is calling for a generational shift. But we have to shift it in the right way. We have to shift it at the right moment. This is the right timing for the shift. But we got to know how to make the shift. Because you see, if you're driving in first gear and you're trying to get the third gear, you don't just shift to third gear. You got to shift from first to second. And then you got to shift from second to third. So you got to know how to shift those gears. So even though God is saying this is a this is a time. This is a, 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 a Kairos time. It's a time that, that 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 this has to happen at this moment. But you can't just shift from first gear to fifth gear. You got to travel at a pace that is comfortable for the children. So even though your destination is fifth gear, you got to go from gear one to gear two to gear three to gear four to gear five. You got to know how to make the shift. And so Jacob understood this concept because when he went out to meet his brother Esau after uh, 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 returning from his uncle Laban's house, when Esau met him, Esau said, okay, come on, let's go. Let's go. You can find this in Genesis 33, verse 12 through 14. Esau said to him, let's be going. I will lead the way. But Jacob replied, You can see, my Lord, that some of the children are very young and the flocks and the herds have young too. If they are driven too hard, even for one day, all the animals could die. Please, my Lord, go ahead of your servant. We will follow slowly at a pace that is comfortable for the livestock and for the children. I will meet you at Seir. Genesis 33, 12. Jacob, in this scripture, yes, so I told you, Jacob was returning home after living with his uncle Laban for over 20 years. He dreaded meeting his brother Esau because he had he had defrauded him of his birthright. And so Jacob was in fear of his life and in fear of all that was traveling with him. But God had spoke to him to go back home, to return home. And this is what I'm trying to tell you. This this 2022 is a time to return back to the thing. You got to face the thing that you're running away from. You got to face your fears. You got to deal with what you need to deal with in your family and in your home. Jacob had some unfinished business with Esau, so he had to go back home. And so he, he was at a place now where he met his brother but he and he didn't know exactly how Esau was going to respond after the last time he had seen him he was running away from him because Esau had made a, 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 a covenant that he was going to kill Jacob because of what Jacob had done to him and so Jacob returning after 20 years doesn't wasn't sure how his brother was going to receive him and so when he met with his brother his brother received him gracefully. And let me see. Oh, Shadadaba Sandaya. 
So it says here in go a little bit further and actually we're backing up a little bit. Jacob, uh, what verse? Genesis 33. We're still in Genesis 33. Okay, so it says, when Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with his 400 men, he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and his two servants. He put the, the, the wives and the children at the front and Leah and the children next and Rachel and Joseph last. And so um, what I wanted you to see is that um, Jacob was interested in preserving his heritage. He was interested in preserving his children. He had lined them up that way because he didn't know how his brother was going to respond to them. And so Jacob had uh, previously, Jacob had told his brother that, listen, I, I, I'm going to, I, I'm going to, to travel at a pace that is comfortable for the children. And this is why, because he was, they, they were so precious to him. He was not interested in leaving his children behind. He was not interested in working long hours and pursuing his dreams while leaving his children to tag along. And that's what many of us are doing. We are pursuing, we're, per, we're pursuing our purpose. We travel at a pace that is uncomfortable for our children to keep up. And so God is saying, see, just like, just like how Jacob was interested in preserving his heritage, he was interested in protecting his children. We need to be that mindful of our children that we don't travel at a pace that is too much for them that they cannot keep up. In other words, if you're working too many jobs, if you're working too much in your career, you, you, whatever it is that you're doing, you got to make sure that you are taking time, you're stopping, you're slowing down to spend time with your children. Don't just toss them something and say, go read that. Or go over there and go do that and, and leave them out somewhere. What you're doing is that you're teach you're, you're, you're opening up the door of the enemy to teach them because the devil said, okay, well, if you don't teach your children, I'll teach them. I'll teach them. And so Jacob, in this, it's in this story, Jacob gave away a whole bunch of livestock to his brother as peace offering. And you know, livestock represent money and it represents career. But Jacob was willing to put those things on the line for the well-being of his wife and his children, his wives and his children. Because David, like I said, Jacob didn't know that uh, uh, how his brother was going to respond. So he sent him a whole bunch of livestock. He gave him, basically gave him a whole bunch of money. In other words, he said, leave me alone, leave my children alone. I just want you, I just want them to be safe. So the things that we are placing in front of our children today is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? We don't want to leave our children behind. We don't want to put our children on the altar of sacrifice because we're pursuing destiny. And some of us, we're even pursuing the wrong destiny. We don't even put God first in whatever, whatever we're pursuing. We pursue money. We pursue riches. We pursue fame. And when we get those things, we realize how empty and how dry they are. And that's why there's such a great generational wealth being transferred right now, because the baby boomers, they work so hard trying to put a nest egg aside for their children because they, what they actually what they feared was the Great Depression that that their parents came out of. And so they didn't want to be in a situation like that anymore. So they worked hard to put away retirement 
retirement accounts and, and, and inheritance accounts and investments and all kinds of money. And look at it. They spend all their lives working for it. And now they have to pass it on to a generation that really didn't work for it. And this generation, they have no qualms about spending every dime of it. They didn't, it's easy come, so it's easy go. But I often think about, you know, what destination are we going? What, what is our destination? What is our purpose behind hoarding up and building up and saving up? Are you taking time out during that time of trying to work so hard, trying to put food? You claim you're trying to put food on the table, but the, the main food that is supposed to be on the table is not on the table. Think about what would have happened if Jacob would have traveled ahead of his children. Think about how these precious children would be left behind. You see, in Jacob's eyes, they were just children. In Jacob's eyes, they were just children. But to God, they were the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob didn't know that he was raising the seed of a great nation. And many times when we look at our children, we cannot see who or what they will become. But we cannot afford to leave them behind because everything we are doing today will one day be shifted to them. And if you're doing good, it's going to be shifted to your children. And if you're doing evil, it's going to be shifted shifted to your children. So you must understand that when God says it's time to focus on the next generation, it's when it's, he said it's time for the next generation to shift into gear. You got to be able to do it right. And if you don't shift into gear, you, you trying to get your child to go into fifth gear. You're trying to get your child to operate in fifth gear, but you never take time to teach your child discipline. You never take time to teach your child the fear of the Lord. You never take time to teach your child respect. You never take time to give him or her the right tools to shift to fifth gear. You want them to bypass discipline and respect and end up in fifth gear. No, no, no. It can't happen like that. It can't happen. Any good driver will tell you that whenever you fifth, you shift from first to fifth gear, there's something that is happening on the inside of the car that could possibly damage the transmission. Oh, my God, help me this morning. We are damaging the transmission of our children, yet we are expecting them to fu function the way that God intend them to function. And when they don't function, then we blame the children and we blame this and we blame that because we didn't do what the Lord commanded us to do. Remember, we must travel at a pace that our children can follow. We need to slow down and make room for them. We don't know what God intends for this next generation. We may feel like we are it. We are the thing. But really what God is saying in this new year is that you were just a vessel to carry the anointing of God to the next generation. And my question to you this morning is what are you carrying? What are you leaving behind you? What kind of legacy are you leaving for the next generation? Is your child seeing you praying and reading the Bible? Are you sitting down and reading the Bible with your children? Are you are they able to ask you questions about the Bible? Are you able able to keep break down scriptures for them are you able to pray with your children do you make regular time to pray with your children 
We cannot try to keep up with every Joneses while we're leaving our children behind. You know, I see parents running to and fro, but their children are not getting their attention. The little attention that they give their children usually turns out in some sort of entertainment. No focus on God. But listen, parents, you are too self-centered. You're focused so much on yourself and what you can get out of life while you're leaving the video games to become babysitters for your children. Do you not know that when you allow leave your, your, your children children to become babysitters uh, uh, by video game to become uh, babysitted by video games you're allowing the devil to babysit your children we become a generation that is not keeping pace with our children there was a time when parents teach their children little things they take them and they spend quality time with them but this generation x We've become parents that sees parenting as, 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 as a task. We see parenting as something that we don't have to do, so we don't do it. We kind of leave our children to grow up like wild plants instead of a plant that is grown in a garden that is nurtured and cared for. And God is saying, I'm not pleased. I'm not pleased. You see, the only time we figure out that something is wrong is when we don't, is, is when we see, when, when something happens, when our child starts acting out and we realize, oh my God, something is wrong with my child. Oh God, let's pray for the child. Nothing's wrong with the child. What's wrong is that you didn't treat, teach the child. You didn't raise the child right. You didn't train up the child in a way that they should grow. What you did was you pass down we, you, everything that you can. You shower your, your kids with gift, ex, gifts, expensive things that keeps them occupied in, the, uh, in, in your absence, that keeps them distracted, keeps them focusing on things that keeps them uh, uh, away from learning what God wants them to learn. And so now our children grow up just like the generation in Judges chapter two that do not know God. They grow up thinking that you can call a tree God, you can call a cow God, you can call anything God. And even worse yet, some of them do not believe that there is a God. Some of them do not believe that there is a God. But we must become like Jacob and realize that the most precious possession that we are traveling with on this glory train is the children, is our children, is the, the heritage that God has blessed us with. It's not our money. It's not our house. It's not our car. It's not our livestock. It's our children that God has given us to, to, to go through life with us. They, those are the ones that we're going to pass the baton to. So that's why we need to spend quality time with our children. We need to read the Bible to them. We need to teach them the things of the Lord. We need to pray with them. It's important to train them up in the way that they should grow. Proverbs 22 said, train up a child in the way that they should grow. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. So if you didn't, if you see your children reach to a stage where they're not, they're not following the right things. Now you must ask yourself, did I train my child the way that they should go? Because that's where we fail. You see, when we allow them to do whatever they want, go wherever they want with no constraint, no restraint, no respect, we are certainly not training them up. 
We are failing to discipline our children. We're leaving them behind because discipline has become a nasty word in our society. But remember the priest Eli, like I told you, he failed to discipline his sons and the Lord judged him for it. Many parents are doing that and they don't realize that they are failing to discipline their child. They don't have, you don't have, listen to me moms, listen to me dads, you don't have a rebellious child. What you have on your hand is an undisciplined child. They didn't learn respect because see, when you should have taught the child how to respect, when they should have taught the child discipline, you are busy trying to tell. You're busy trying to tell the child, you don't have to do that. Your, 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 your attitude towards discipline, your attitude towards respect is what the child learned. So now you have a child that is acting crazy and it is because you fail to discipline your child. We can't be afraid to discipline our children because it is a terrible tragedy. It's a terrible tragedy. It's a terrible tragedy when we do not discipline our children because they become monsters later. We handicap them. We warped their spiritual development. And whatever, whatever they do now is sprung out of the way that video game and TV and, and, and whatever else music that they open up themselves to, those are the things that they that taught them. So how do you expect that they should behave? Whenever, when they learn to behave from the video games and they learn to behave from the things that they watch in TV and they learn to behave from the things that they listen to, we don't take time to parent our children. We don't take time to teach them, but yet we expect them to, to react to us in a respectful way. We expect them to live in a godly way. You know, sometimes when I look about, look in the third world countries, and I don't even know why they call these countries third world, but I look in a country, in, in countries such as Africa, and even in my little nation, Jamaica, I see some children, because listen, it's, this, this thing is perversive. It's everywhere that I'm talking about how the children are being left behind. But in some, when I was growing up, let's put it this way. When I was growing up, children were allowed in church, in Bible study, in prayer groups. That's how they learn. That's how they learn. And so we have to, we have to be purpose. Let me not get ahead of myself. I'm coming to coming back to that one. We have to be purposeful about teaching our children the right things. I remember my son came to me and um, he was acting up. He's a teenager. He was acting up. And I said to him, I said to him, son, some things are rights and some things are privileges. I said to him, as my child, you have a right to eat food. You have a right to live in a safe, warm place. You have a right to wear good, good clean clothes, and you have a right for good health care. provide, make sure that you are healthy. But you don't have a right to, to, to be entertained. No, no, no government is going to come walk in my house and tell me that I have to provide my child with a smartphone. I have to provide my child with video game. That I, I said to my child, I said, listen, those are not rights. They are privileges. And whenever you act up, those privileges will be revoked. 
they will be revoked. And people might say, oh, that's so old school. That you, What are you you're trying to do? No, I'm training my child. I am disciplining my child because I'm not going to be the one paying for your cell phones when you're using it to call. Oh, God, let me not go there. I'm not going to be paying for your cell phones. You're calling Tom, Dick, and Harry, and you don't want to answer your parents' call? No, 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 sir. I, oh, I'm i the one paying this bill. Discipline is discipline. Rights is right. You got to know right and you got to know privilege. Come on, somebody. It cuts me up that, I, that, that, that people allow their children to call them dogs and call them names while they're the one pay, paying the phone bill. You don't have to provide your child with a phone. Let him go work and buy a phone. Let him go work and buy the video games that he wants. It's a privilege. It's not a right. It's not a right. You got to learn your, as, as you're shifting your child into the next gear uh, of becoming a man or becoming a woman. You are you have to give them the right tool to survive, because if you don't give them the right tool to survive, it's going to be terrible. And I wish it was just going to be physically terrible, but it's going to be spiritually terrible because your child is dealing with demons and devils that they don't know how to handle because you never taught them the Bible. You never taught them how to how, how to get a, get a hold of God. You never taught them to get down on their knees and pray before God. And you wait until it's too late. And now you're trying to figure out how to fix it. And it can't be fixed without a move of God. You need to repent. That's the first thing you need to do. Repent from traveling at a pace. Repent from leaving your children behind you to fend for themselves and to figure out their spirituality, to figure out their way through life. God doesn't always say yes to every prayer request. So why are you always saying yes to every needs, every whim, every demand of your child. Don't you see that you're creating a little demon? Don't you see that a little, you're actually not creating a little demon, you're allowing, a, you're feeding a little demon. The demon of rebelliousness, the demon of, 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 of entitlement. I'm entitled, I want this, I want that. Give me this, give me that. And you are bowing to the devil. No, no, no. What God said was you are supposed to train them up in the way that they should go. God never told you in the Bible to give your children everything they want. You are creating space for the devil to operate and to wreak havoc in your life. I don't know who I'm preaching to, why I'm preaching so hard, but I feel like God has something for the children this morning and they're not going to get it until their parents get it right. Get it right, parents, get it right. 2022, God is focusing on the children and you as parents has a place and a role to play in the lives of your children. You can't expect them to act disciplined, act in a respectful way when you never taught them. I know I'm not saying that you're supposed to abuse your children. As I said, some things are privileged and some things are rights. And, and I, I'm going to provide you with a bed. I'm going to provide you with a place to sleep. I'm going to provide you with food to eat and clothes to wear. But some things are privileges. I don't have to buy your phone. I don't have to buy you a, a, a new, the next new game. I don't have to buy you a car. 
I don't have to buy you none of those things. You can work. I can stand before you said, my parents never buy me none of those things. None of those things. And I'm grateful, grateful. Because I learned to work for them. I learned to earn what it is that I need in life. And my fear is that the generation that is coming up behind us, they're not learning. See, many parents leave it up to their children to figure it out. They think that they will just figure it out. You don't think that you need to sit down and talk to your children. And a child that you cannot talk to is one that you create. You create that problem, not God, not the devil. We blame the devil so much, but it's our failure. And God is saying, in this new year, I need this to stop. I need you to get it right as parents or else your child is not only going to be left behind. Their, 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 their soul salvation is at stake. Your child's soul salvation is at stake. And it's not up to the church. Probably your child don't even go to church. It's not up to the school. Probably your child is not even going to school. It's not up to society. Listen, the police is not going to teach them no better than you would train them. When the police have their knees on their neck, it's too late to train up your child. We need to figure out how to get them on this glory train with us. And God, and I feel like those are two of the tools that God is showing you. He's like, discipline your child. Train them up. Disciplines mean when they do something wrong, you have to figure out a punishment. You got to figure out a way to correct. And listen, I'm not talking about corporal punishment. I don't told you it hurts to take people. The children, listen, and I take my kid's phone away. He, they, they will do anything to get this phone back. When I take the game, they do anything to get it back, including acting right. So you got to discipline them. And then the other thing you have to do is train them. Sit down with your children. Teach them the Bible. Don't just send them to go off. Go read your Bible by yourself. I take time every week to sit down with my children and read the Bible to them and explain the Bible to them, however long it takes. They can ask any question. I teach them to worship the Lord. I teach them, to, I teach them how to pray. Because I said, God, I'm not going to stand in front of nobody preaching and teaching and prophesying and casting out devils out of other people while my children is sitting up in my house full of demons and devils. No, no, no. We're going to spend some time. We're going to have church by ourselves because you got to understand church is not for entertainment. Church is not for, it is for to get a word and to feel good. Church is so that we can learn what it is that we need to learn to pass it down to our next generation and you can have church right there in your home. Break open your Bible. Put your child to sit down on the couch and say, come on, we got to read this word because regardless of what you're doing in this earth, this is the thing that is going to keep you because we're heading into a direction in 2022. We're heading, we're into a time when everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And little, little girl, little boy, let me tell you, when the shaking begins to happen, I may not be able to hold on to your hand. I may not be, I may not be here to teach you nothing. Thing, but let me tell you what, how to survive the shaking that is coming. Let me tell you how to survive. Let me tell you how to stand. Let me tell you. Let me train you. Let me train you. Let me get you ready for what is coming. 
Let me get you ready to hold on to God's unchanging hand. Let me tell you how to hold on to God. Let me tell you, let me teach you about faith. Let me tell you what God has done for me. Go back in your past. Sit down and tell your children how God came through for you at a time when you didn't even know how to pray to God, when you didn't even know to see God. Tell your children that everything that you are earned, you're living in right now. It's because of my faith in God. It's because, tell your children that they are here because I prayed for you to come here. Tell your children who they are. Let them know that they have an identity in Christ the Lord. Let them know that Jesus was wounded for their transgression and the chastisement of, the, of their peace is upon our Lord and Savior. Let them know that Jesus went to the cross for them. And even though they are walking in sin right now, they can turn around. They can make a decision to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of their lives today. Tell your children, their little junky head friend is not going to teach them. You got to tell your children. You got to tell, you got to raise up a standard in your children so that when the drugs come and they, the, the, the children start, the other pairs start introducing drugs and guns and sex and under like to them, your children will already have a standard on the inside of them. When new age religion sets in and they tell them you can worship a tree, anything can be your God. Your children will have a standard on the inside of them and your children will say, no, 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 no. My parents taught me that there is one true and living God and I believe that there is one true and living God and I will not turn away to serve no Baal. I will not turn away to serve no Asherah. Although I didn't see the miracles, although I didn't see the signs, I believe it. I believe. I believe. You see, Joshua told the children of Israel when they crossed the river Jordan, he said, build a memorial. And the reason why the Lord told him to build a memorial is because he knew that there was going to be a generation that was coming up behind them that won't know their God. But when they look at the memorial, they will say, the Lord dried up the river Jordan so that the children of Israel could cross on dry ground. And so this generation needs not just the generational wealth that is being transferred. They need to see a memorial. What is your memorial? You know, I heard one pastor put it this way. He became a pastor because he watched his mother, single mother, kneeling down on her knees, praying to God for her children, praying to God when there was no food in the house when there was no money to pay the rent. And when she knelt down and prayed and the rent would come, the doorbell would ring and sister, some, somebody would give her the exact money she needed for the rent and the money that she needed for food or whatever. Our groceries would show up on their doorstep. Listen, our children needs to know Sometimes we hide those things from our children because we say, oh, we don't want them to know that we were poor. I've heard people said that. But they won't have any memorial. They won't have anything to go by. 
because they would think that because they were born into it, they felt like it came just like that. And the danger in that is when you leave it to them, they will they will destroy it. It's going to turn. Oh, God Almighty. I've seen people leave inheritance to their children and what they do. They go to Disney World or they, they, they spend it out and listen. And it just went like a vapor. I, I've seen this so many times. Another story, this is a true story. A mother left so many X amount of dollars to the to, to their children and after after the death. And the, 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 the child took the money and they spend it. I mean, it's like the money evaporates. And I said, my God, the woman works so hard and she leave the inheritance to the child, to the children. And it was, uh, when you look at their lives, it's, it's almost like they didn't get those under those thousands of dollars that they got. They got them. But until now, they have nothing to show. Nothing. Because they took trips and go here and there to places that the mama wouldn't go because she would never spend so much money to go on those expensive trips and cruises and whatever. But that's the generation that learns how to spend without learning to earn. And so God is interested in them. And as I close today, remember the Lord said, suffer the little children to come unto me, for they are the kingdom of heaven. We must allow them, we must give them opportunities to know the Lord. And sometimes we say that our children are not ready to make decisions to follow the Lord, but it's because of you. You do not take time to sit down and teach your children about the ways of God. And therefore, they don't make any decisions to serve God. Why you don't teach them is because you're afraid they won't sit down. Listen, and nobody's going to live in my house if you can't sit down and talk about God. Whether you want to or not, we are going to sit down. We're going to have a meeting. We're going to talk about God because you can't live in. No, 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 no. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How do you think we're going to serve the Lord when we don't sit down and read the Bible, read the word of God? You, sometimes you don't know what part to read, but God will lead you. You know, another and another thing I see happening, we send our children to Sunday school every Sunday. You know, I was shocked. Listen, I was shocked when I discovered that my children have been going to Sunday school every Sunday and they don't even know the first book of the Bible. How is that possible? You see, this pandemic has reset a whole thing, a whole lot for us. Because when I got, when, when they couldn't go to Bible Sunday school, I decided to sit down with my children and teach them the Bible. And so I was going through the way that I learned uh, uh, Sunday school. And so I was asking them, uh, uh, what are the names of the books of the Bible? What are the first book? The what is the first book in the Bible? What's the second? And I was shocked to discover that they didn't know the first book. The last, so I said, I said to them, I said, what are you learning in Sunday school? You go to Sunday school every Sunday. And they said, sometimes they watch videos. They, and they play games in Sunday school. Man, you all don't know what that did to me. I was so angry, but partially it's my fault because I didn't take time to figure out what my children was learning in Sunday school. I mean, this is church. These are the churches that I go to. They are power pack churches. But they were not allowing the children to come to God because they at home they were being entertained. And when they go to Sunday school, they were being entertained. And so I have to take the task to teach my children the Bible myself. 
You see, some pastors, I even hear some pastors stated like this. They said um, they're, they're doing special services and children are not welcome. What? When I was growing up, children were allowed in every, for every services, fasting services, prayer service. Every time church door opened, the children were, were welcome. And, and this is one of the way when I was 10 years old, I remember <laughs> I, I'm, I'm closing. So let me just share this story with you. When I was 10 years old, I remember going to a fasting service. And children were not required to fast. But I was in church on Sunday and I heard about the fasting service and I wanted to go to this fasting service. And so, you know, my grand aunt I was living with at the time, she um, made me, you know, my little breakfast and I left the little breakfast. I covered it up, uh, whatever it was. And I, and, and I went to the fasting service. I didn't eat. My grand aunt didn't know that I, I didn't eat. And I didn't know that these people were going to be fasting all day long. It was like from, I don't know what time we reached the church building until, until evening, probably about six o'clock. Somewhere in that long length of time of not eating, I passed out. <laughs> I passed out at Jesus. And all I remember was that they were putting uh, smelling salts under my nose. So I came, when I came to, they were putting smelling salts under my nose. And they gave me some, some crackers and some water and something to eat to kind of bring my energy back. And so I, I don't understand it. Why pastors, why leaders? And I understand, you know, you know, oh, we want a, a, an atmosphere that is quiet and we can get in touch with the Lord. Listen, that's a terrible tragedy. You need to get in touch with the Lord with your children. Because you, what you're doing is setting an example. You're setting a memorial in place. They're remembering how these people, I, 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 to this day, I remember those people closing those fasting. It was Wednesday, uh, that was a fasting day, and they would close the church door. And they would stay inside in their white dress, and they would fast, and they would pray all day long until it was evening. And I'm so glad that God allowed me to be a part of that. So children are welcome in my service. And so in 2022, we're going to be focusing a lot more on children in our, in our ministry because we've become a society that treat our children as if they are a bother to us when it comes to spiritual things. We don't train them up in the way that they should grow. We don't suffer the little children to come unto us. God, Jesus said, allow them. In other words, make room for the children to come unto me because they are the king. This is what God said. They are the kingdom of heaven. And when we hide away in our closet, they're not seeing us praying. We leave our children to play with the devil while we pray to God. And that might be a reason why you're not getting your prayers answered. Because you're leaving your children to play with the devil. And God said, what kind of prayer could be praying to me when the most precious thing that I gave you is playing with the devil and you expect you're locking up in your closet praying and expecting me to hear you? When your children are out there in danger, God said, get up and go out there. Go after your children. It's time. Let us pray. It's time to focus 
on the next generation to ensure that they get on board this glory train with us. We cannot wait for the final boarding call because today is the day of salvation. And if you hear the voice of the Lord calling out to you, you may be saved, but what about your children? What about your children? What about your children? God is interested in their salvation. God is interested in them. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Allow them, make room for them. Be purposeful of allowing your children to go to God. Create a pathway for them to lead them, that leads them to God. That's what it means when God says, I suffer the little children to come unto me. Allow them. In other words, move out the way so that they can come. Create a way for your sons and your daughters to, 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 to walk in the path of holiness and righteousness unto God. Come on, let's do it today. Let's do it today. And if you're out there and you never made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, today is a day of salvation. If you're worried about your children's salvation, today is the day of salvation. Bring your children. Bring your children to the screen. Bring your children right now to hear the voice, hear my voice. And even if you, if they're not, if you're not able to do it right now, bring them. Uh, there's going to be a replay of this message. Bring them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Help them to understand that God loves them with an everlasting love and he desires for them to turn away from the things that are evil and accept the things that are good. Let us pray. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your word that has gone forth, Lord God. We thank you for convicting men's heart, Lord God, and convicting the hearts of parents and the hearts of children as your word go forth, Lord God. Lord, we ask you for, to let there be a revival among children, among the generation Xers and the generate the millennials, Lord God. Let there be a revival among the Gen Z generation in the name of Jesus. Let there be a revival, Lord God, for the next generation, Lord God, that is coming up behind us, Lord God, that do not know their God because they didn't see the signs and they didn't see the miracles. They didn't know what we have to fight to stand before them right now. God, God, they look at us as old and frumpy and we don't know what we're talking about because we never taught them, Lord God. God, this moment, we repent from not teaching our children to love you and to serve you, Lord God. God, we have gotten the baton in our hands, but we fail to pass the baton to the next generation, Lord God. So Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we repent this moment, Lord God. God, we ask you for the grace, Lord God, to make up the pace, Lord God. Oh, God Almighty, the, the pace between us and our children, the gap between us and our children, Lord God, give us the grace to make up that gap in the name of Jesus. God, we have failed. We have failed, Lord God. But like Mary, when Mary, when Mary remembered that Jesus, well, he, he, she looked around in the crowd for Jesus and she couldn't find him, Lord God. She realized that Jesus wasn't keeping pace with her, Lord God. And she turned back and to go look for Jesus in the temple, Lord God. I pray, God, that you would give us the same grace this moment, Lord God, that we would recognize that our children is not on the journey with, with us. They're not at the place where they are supposed to be with us, Lord God. And God Almighty, I pray that you would give us the grace 
grace to turn around and to go back after our children, whatever we got to lay aside, whatever we got to push aside to ensure that our children are trained, are learned, are disciplined, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, help us to lay it down. Help us to lay it down, Lord God. Oh, great and mighty God. Let us build a memorial for our children, God. To remember, Lord God, that even though they didn't see the hardships that we endure. They didn't see, Lord God, how you lift us out of poverty. They didn't see how you lift us out of witchcraft, out of crime, out of all the things that we had to endure, Lord God. They didn't see because they wasn't there. But God, help us to leave a memorial. Help us to leave a memorial, Lord God. The three things that you have given us to do today is to discipline our child, is to train up our child, is to leave a memorial, Lord God. And so God Almighty, give us the grace. Lord, we have failed. We have failed, God. We admit that we have failed, but we repent this morning. We repent, Lord God, from failing to discipline our children. We repent from failing to train up our children. We repent, Lord God, from, leave, from not leaving a memorial for our children to see, Lord God. In the name of Jesus. And so God, like Mary this moment, give us the grace to turn around and go back and look for young Jesus. Lord God, Mary knew that Jesus was destined to be the Messiah, Lord God. She knew that something great was going to happen in his life, even though she didn't know what it was, Lord God. But she had purposed in her heart not to leave her child behind. And so, Lord, when she recognized that he wasn't traveling with her, she went back and she found him and brought him back on the journey with them. And so, God Almighty, help us to go back this morning and find where our children are stuck, where video games and entertainment and music, whatever it is that they're into, Lord God, that got them stuck in their spiritual development, Lord God. God, help us to get them unstuck in the name of Jesus. God, give us the grace to train them, to discipline them, and to create a memorial for them in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. If you're under the sound of my voice this morning and you never make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, today is the day of salvation. I always tell you that you have to pray and ask him to come into your heart. But there's also actions that the Lord wants you to take this morning. And the first one begins, the first one is asking Jesus to come into your heart genuinely asking when you ask the lord something is going to change in your life when you say jesus come into my heart he enters into your heart and then you have to read the word of god you got to pray you got to talk you got to build a relationship you see when a baby is born into this natural world we have to do so many things to nurture that baby to become an adult and we got to feed the baby, change the baby, get, make sure the health of the baby is right and all these things. And it's the same way when you are born into the kingdom of heaven. You got to feed that baby. And if you are in a place where you didn't make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, today is, no, is, is the best day to do it. It's the start of a brand new year. It's the start. It can be the start of a brand new you. Come on, let's pray today.
Heavenly Father, I hear the sound of your word. I heard what you have said, Lord God. And I recognize that I have not been following you. I recognize that I am a sinner and I can only be saved by your grace. So this moment, I repent of every sin that I ever committed. Lord God Almighty, I desire you more than I desire anything. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Purify my heart, Lord God. God, help me to live for you all the days of my life. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that he was resurrected after the third day. And I believe that he ascended to heaven on high. Although I don't fully understand everything, I trust that you will teach me. I trust that you will guide me along the way. So come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Save me. Heal me. Deliver me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you pray that simple, simple prayer, I believe that Jesus has entered your heart. Now, do the things that he commands you to do. The first thing I encourage you to do is to read the word of God. When I got saved, when I asked Jesus to come into my heart, I never, I used to read the Bible before, but I never knew, you know, like I never put anything into practice. It was just like reading a book and it was just empty. You know, but once I asked Jesus to come into my heart, something happened and I started reading the Bible and I couldn't stop reading the Bible. It's just like, now the Bible makes sense to me. And so if you just accepted Jesus in your heart, get you a Bible. And nowadays everybody has a small smartphone. You can download a Bible on your phone and you can read the scripture. Ask the Lord, show me what to read in the Bible. And because he's inside of you, he's going to show you what to read in the Bible. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you today. Thank you so much for hanging on with me. I hope you all have a wonderful, blessed new year. May the grace of God go before you to do the things that you are called to do in this new year. And remember, focus on the next generation. Amen. Glory to God.